Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blay Disgusting.com's Dead Pixels Horror Video Game Podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bow. And this week we're celebrating the 18th anniversary of Rockstar Games' descent into voyeuristic brutality, that being Manhunt, a stealth action game that was instantly notorious for its sleazy B-movie presentation and voyeuristic take on extreme violence. In Manhunt, the player takes on the role of death row prisoner James Earl Cash, who was supposedly executed by lethal injection, but finds himself suddenly freed but let loose on the gang-infested streets of Carcer City. Now being aided by a mysterious voice known only as the director, it's simple. Kill your way to freedom. So Manhunt was always one of those games that I was way too young to ever <laughs> play it when it originally came out, but it was that thing that was so prolific and notorious in a lot of ways for that time period and still to this day in some regards that it was the type of thing where I couldn't stop hearing about it whether it be like conversations at the dinner table it came up in the news or something like that it was one of those very strange periods of uh, my adolescence where my parents knew about a game without me having to say anything and I think that that was very much uh, surrounding the controversy of it but in revisiting Manhunt for the first time in probably a decade I've definitely seen more qualities of it outside of just the fact that it is uh, very controversial, right? Which mm. I think would make some of the aesthetic choices that I think make this game have its own identity not feel like just a sort of uh, like a cash-in on sort of like a fad or being edgy for the sake of being edgy. But I guess for you, Neil, what was sort of your first experience with Manhunt? Uh, yeah, well, back in the day, I was like a rock star super fan, but you know, I before GTA 3 came out I was very much into that and I was hyping the idea of it it's like no but you don't understand it's like GTA 2 but in 3D like that, that's amazing and yeah naturally I was very smug when that then went on and was successful and so yeah I ate up everything that that company was putting out even State of Emergency which I yeah. No one history doesn't want to remember state of emergency, <laughs> or even or even smugglers run to be fair. But um, right, <laughs> but manhunt wasn't just that; it was that it took this new direction, you know, this going from the open world ideas to this more enclosed game-like uh, arena, if you will, and making a puzzle out of it. But it's the aesthetic straight away that does it for you, doesn't it? It's that you see this sort of the scuzzy tape style stuff. You know, it's no surprise that they went on to make a Warriors game because there's a lot of that in Manhunt. You know, in that sort of '80s cult hit style. You know, it's very Carpenter meets Romero meets that you know sort of thing and Warriors sort of style stuff. And yeah at the time that was just like perfect for me because I was like yeah I mean <laughs> it's no joke to say that during the 2000s um, Rockstar's games pretty much shaped my taste in anything you know it was like when it, when Vice City was coming out I hadn't watched Scarface but obviously I saw the influences and I was like well I've got to watch Scarface now before I start playing this and stuff like that and it was the same with GTA 3 where I had to watch all these gangster films and stuff like that and understand, really get into it. And But here was a game where I kind of already got into the source material, you know, the stuff that was influencing it. And it was like, oh, now this is something that company is doing on my level. And this is good stuff. And then 
to play the game is just phenomenal. Again, one of those ones where I was like, day one, make sure I get a copy, have to have it, sort of thing. Because I was you know, very much into the idea of this, like, what's the most violent thing I can find? What's the most violent book I can read? What's the most violent film I can watch? And you know, uh, being a bit older than you, you know, <laughs> I was quite within the eagle age to be playing this, so it's fine. <laughs> but, um, uh, but still, it was still even in the realm of games it was like something you know i'd played stuff like soldier of fortune and whatever you know stuff that was like glor- you know glorifying violence to the yeah, degree but here we were with something that was quite different and um, we will get into that i, I won't spoil all that now because well, i've said that repeating myself but yeah it, it just ended up being one of these experiences that just stuck to me throughout life you know I, it's I, sh- I hold it up as a shining beacon of how to do an introspective thing on violence in games. Uh, and from the company that have made their money from violent video games and the controversy that surrounds it, it is the biggest fuck you to the people that treat it like that. You know, that the, you know, tug at the pearls and things like, and say that, you know, oh, this is, video games are evil, this made me do this and this. And yeah, it just, yeah, we'll get into why, but it is just phenomenal in a lot of ways, flaws and all. For somebody that came to it much later, even though I was aware of it as a kid, it was the type of thing where when I came to it in probably high school or whatever, it was very much like, oh, well, I love GTA. They can't possibly make a game more violent than that for the time <laughs> period and like my experience with games. And then it very much presents Manhunt as being like, well, you thought GTA was violent. Look at this. This is the most violent thing you've ever played. And some critics at the time even labeled it as such when it came out originally. But I've gotten a new, not only appreciation for Manhunt in the years that have passed as my interests in film and things like that have evolved and grown, which I think that you're referencing, like using film as a way to provide context for an experience is a huge part, I think, of the older I get, the more I'm able to sort of the new lens with which I'm able to look at old games, whether they be old or even newer games, right? Yeah. I think that having a certain perception of what something is going into it is great, but also, especially with something like Vice City, where I wasn't around the 80s, but with certain films and music and pop culture and these things, it provides more context, which makes it seem like a more sort of seamless time travel back in the, uh, the way, way back machine. But I think with Manhunt, again, like, it's my perspective on it has evolved from like, th- look at this super violent thing that we can make and we're making it for the sake of it being super violent. But at the same time, you come back to it and it's like, well, this is actually more of a reaction to people sort of just being like, the developers being like, well, actually you're the one that is kind of sick and obsessed with violence in a way that you've been claiming we are. And yet, as we'll get into in term- once we break down the gameplay, a huge part of the game is how much of the player's engagement does the player want to actually engage with this mm. game, right? Because the game is only really as brutal as the player wants it to be, which I think is an interesting dynamic. Um, and I guess we can get right into that, right? The One of the big elements of this game that I think has aged really flawlessly is the sort of voyeuristic aesthetic of the game, right? A large portion of the game is seen through CCTV cameras or it's sort of like the rewind replays and things like that that has this very VHS snuff film aesthetic yeah. that it gives 
from some of the animations and things like that might seem sort of familiar, the acts of violence, but of course, they're very extreme lengths that it goes to the more the player wants to engage with it. Um, but it strikes me as a game that its presentation gives it this nasty, scuzzy texture that is something that I don't think has necessarily been replicated all that well. No, I mean, you had many games in, especially in more recent history, where it's like this sort of look at like, oh, how violence should be done in games. And Spec Ops: The Line is always brought up as one of the, the big examples of it, but in itself, it still betrays what it's doing by still making you do that stuff. It's very much a case of like, oh, we know what we're doing. We know we know that this is bad like that, but doesn't quite jump that hurdle of like not just doing the very thing they're talking about like it's you know it's like when you get an advert for something where they go oh well other adverts would talk about this thing and this thing and it's like but we're not going to but it's like but you did <laughs> it's like it's like yeah. <laughs> right and, that, and that's not what this is you know this is a game that's very much from the off going about glorifying violence but that's the point of the game incarnate it's like it's like you don't have to but you're being goaded all the way it's like no you can just kill everyone in a really basic manner if you want but it's not going to be very satisfying your score's not going to be very good like that and you know you have these tears of you know the longer you hold down the button with a weapon when you're coming behind an enemy the more brutal the kill will be because you're playing to the camera the whole time and it's like that's what the game is asking you to do and the director you know as meta as that ends up being is asking you to do and it's like well if you, you fully interact with that and feel like you need to do it it's like yeah it can be really visceral but at the same time it's not just there for the sake of it it's there because you know, the plot's put in place where Cash is like yeah okay you know you've got a second chance at life maybe we'll let you escape if you do a few things like this and to make it escalate, to make him push himself and the player beyond that boundary, they then throw in the caveats and say, well, if you don't keep doing this, well, there are people you know that may be in trouble and may suffer because of you at that. And so they constantly give a reason why he has to do it because it's either give up and end the game, which again, in a film logic, you'd be like, well, why doesn't the guy just say no? And like, and just die if he's going to die anyway then who cares yeah, but in a player sense it's like well then you've wasted your time and your money if you, if you don't keep going and it's like that to me is the smartest part about it is that it's not just on a very much a prodding you and going oh look this is violence and you're doing it and we're making you do it and it's like oh, you can't stop like it's saying it's like no you could you could stop if you want it's how much value you placed in committing that violence like that it's and you know, a monetary value essentially in the end which is again loops brilliantly back round to what the game is about in terms of like you're doing this for someone else's money you know to you're letting someone else earn money off of your actions and it's like both in the game and both in buying the game and doing the stuff in the first place so it's like Either way, they're going to get their money, you know, and you get whatever experience you get out of it. Yeah, I think that the game also does a, a better job at being a seamless 
package around or presentation around that mm-hmm. violence, more than something like Spec Off the Line. Uh, Spec Off the Line, which is a game I enjoyed, but at the same time, that felt very much like this sort of thing, but it was more about the sort of massive set piece uh, milestones for mm-hmm. the plot. It didn't feel like it was beat to beat, whereas Manhunt, when you're in that world, you're in that world, whether or not it is a cutscene that shows cash or a gang member or the CCTV perspective sometimes that kind of like rotates and gives you sort of an idea of the area you're going to be in or what's coming next. But I mean, even from the opening moments, right, the first person that the player kills, it's framed as being an audition for the director where you sneak up on a guy and use a plastic bag or a trash bag or something to choke him out with it. And again, that's where the player engagement comes from because the player early on is told, if you try to duke it out with these guys head on, you can maybe kill one, but the next one's going to kill you because, again, like health is limited. And I mean, the enemies deal so much damage that it's not truly a viable way to get through the game. But again, like there's more risk in holding down the button for longer, right? Because yeah. as soon as it turns yellow, you can kill that guy in a one kill when if you sneak up on him. And that comes up quicker, but the longer you hold that button down, it goes from yellow to red and then the kill gets progressively more violent and outside of that scoring system which it's not as if you can't proceed to the next section of the game based on your score you progress no matter what but at a certain point the game itself almost like turns the lens on the player and it's like okay you are getting a certain amount of enjoyment out of this if you are going above and beyond uh, which i think is done in a way that kind of like you said it's never sort of beating the player over the head with it, right? The director, who, I mean, we would uh, be remiss not to mention is voiced by Brian Cox, um, is always sort of like egging you on to a certain extent, right? He makes little snide comments like, well, we'll make a slash star out of you yet whenever you perform one of these various increasingly uh, brutal finisher moves and whatnot. And I think that the game does a really good job of balancing that aesthetic and making it part of the gameplay and the narrative without it ever being like, oh, you the player are the sick one. We're not the sick, that type of conversation, which I think the game draws attention to, but it never does so in a way that it feels cheap or it just doesn't feel as if it's, again, this like finger wagging. No. I think it does that through the brutality, which is kind of just implemented very organically, uh, as much as I hate having to come back to that word, <laughs> into the overall experience of uh, Manhunt. Yeah, it's... Rockstar North saying, look, we like this for a reason. We, we embrace this sort of thing for a reason. It's not just to court controversy. That's what everyone else will think. It's like, you and me, we, we know this. We know this. We know what we like. We know why we like it. And that's it. So it's a celebration of violence in that sense. You know, it's like for anyone else who's like a bit the outside they're gonna straight point there and go oh yeah well it's controversial and so, i mean they in the uk they hired a publicist who was absolutely going to give them the wrong publicity for that reason yeah because they knew that it would court controversy they were already like in trouble for their depiction of stuff and yeah so straight away they knew what they were marketing and they were smarter than the mainstream media in that regard by sort of pushing it that way ironically it wasn't until like the sequel where they actually got the biggest outlaw for it because of actions that had happened beforehand and the, the you know, sequel is like the game that deserves that sort of thing because it feels a lot cheaper in that regard you know it doesn't have as much meaning tied to it and it feels a bit you know excusing violence if you have 
mental health issues, you know, sort of thing, which is like, uh, even then was like poor taste, you know, in terms of how it was handled. Well, I think that that's a quality of the original that's held up fairly well in terms of this is a this is not a very story rich game, and I think that's putting it nicely. Mm. Uh, the character that you're playing is not necessarily fleshed out much outside of some like basic maybe um, plot uh, elements where they kind of just like leverage your family at a certain point or people that you care about at a certain point. But at the end of the day, I think the game takes the right direction in having this is a more than likely a shitty person in a shitty situation who has to do shitty things to get yeah. out of it and you're never really allowed to fully put yourself in that person's shoes or have any real emotional stake outside of it, which I think is the right way to go in that you obviously avoid some of the elements that didn't work in Manhunt 2's narrative or the presentation of certain topics. But at the same time, it doesn't cloud the overall experience, right? It's more about not introducing any distractions from the violence and the presentation of that violence and the player role in violence, which is really what gives manhunt its edge in terms of separating itself from other stealth action games because there's plenty of other stealth action games out there that over all the years that are violent and just as violent in certain ways i mean i think about like the first time i used a garrote wire on a as agent 47 on somebody and just like their body rag dolls and you have to carry it like that was very violent but there's a a sort of cleanness to the violence in that game that it's like after a while you become sort of desensitized to it whereas when you have the executions in manhunt the camera gets right in your face you've got that snuff money shot right mm. there where it's like you've got the best possible angle and your character depending on how long you were uh, engaging with that kill is as brutal as the player wants it to be mm. and i think that that's a quality that i don't know i guess i was going to say you don't get burnt out of but it never loses its scuzziness no matter how sort of uh, tiresome maybe some of the gameplay can get or some of the repetitive elements it can get that scuzziness and that sleaziness never really leaves the player in a way that I think taps into that like snuff film vibe perfectly yeah it's because of the way the game is set up like I said with you know the fact that he has to kill or give up that's his choice you know like it's not like in you know the ongoing joke to say like um, Uncharted where Nathan Drake just murders people relentlessly and it makes jokes and that's it and it isn't until like Uncharted 4 where he's like oh yeah I had to kill a lot of people sort of thing he's like and then continue to kill, <laughs> kill a lot of people and like it's meaningless you know it's meaningless none of it matters he doesn't have to kill all those people at all it's just like right. he, but because he chooses to do the job he does and get into the situations he does that means he does it even in like Naughty Dogs The Last of Us series you know it's like again a lot of it comes down to yeah depending it was your decision yes the world shit and there are dangerous things out there but there are things you could have done not you know you could have swallowed your pride here or there to avoid these things happening I mean Christ The Last of Us Part 2 most of that plot doesn't happen if someone sits down and thinks for a minute nah you know I shouldn't be a selfish prick but yeah he's a selfish prick so that's the point <laughs> but but here it's very much a case of like yes no one's denying that Cash is probably a criminal who has done something you know that's it as ambiguous as it is left for a lot of the time you know he's still going on death row so obviously there was enough to say he did something that was bad enough to get there and mm. obviously 
Stark brother, the director, sees the potential in that in getting him out of there. And so, yes, he has the skills to go and kill and murder if needed. And that's basically it. He becomes, you reference Hitman, which is very good sort of reference point here because that is what he ends up becoming. He is just essentially the hitman here. It's like they hire him, you know, in, in for getting paid an experience, obviously, rather than in anything else. But um, <laughs> he gets it and he knows he's got to do it. He's, he gives you this insight into a life that's not really explained. As you said, again, it's very plot light, but so much is sort of said without being said. And there it's like, you quickly understand he's just a guy that does what he has to do like that it's like and he's not afraid to be violent we know that it was established from the start because he was on death row about to be killed and so the situation never changes there throughout the game it's like that is it and the minute you feel like it could change they, they do throw in the curveball of sort of adding threats beyond his own life you know to, to, to just make sure that he's not just going to turn around and go now nah, i'm done i'm done with this like that and walk away so that is smart in itself that yeah that, i mean it's it's a hokey old plot device sure um but in the, con <laughs> in the context of this game it works perfectly to suddenly up the stakes when they want him you know start where wants to push him further and do more because he gets excited and sees what he can do for him and it's like oh we could do more and more and more and more and it ends up being you know stuck with his greed in trying to get cash to do more outrageous things for him that costs him and lets cash get out of it you know so yeah it's a really amazing way of doing things i find yeah and i think that the game sets the tone pretty uh it's pretty apparent right from the opening moments right before you even start the game right you got two mm. difficulty options you've got fetish which is normal and then you've got hardcore which is well hardcore mm. um and i think that that on in and of itself does such a great job of just preparing the player for an experience that is definitely even i mean what did i say it was 18 18 years since its release is like held up and held that tone in a way that I think is really interesting and it would be I would be really interested to see like if Rockstar ever took another crack even though we'll get into it I and we I doubt very much doubt that we will see them kind of do this weird experiment that leans so heavily into something that's so foreign to the rest of their uh, game portfolio but it would be interesting to see what they can do with a narrative like Manhunt now that the they have had all of this success and experience and they can flesh out their stories a little bit more and they don't view it as just so heavily relying on that aesthetic visually and whatnot mm. and seeing like what kind of narrative they could craft around commentary on like the um, sort of just like the judicial system in America or things of that effect, like the prison industrial complex, things like that, seeing prisoners being used for the ultimate personification of what it turns out to be like a new heightened form of slave labor with people that are profiting off of prisons and things like yeah. that. And just seeing like, uh Oh, the ultimate, uh, the ultra wealthy. It's like, how do they have fun? Well, they buy snuff films and whatnot and things like that. Or they finance snuff films. And I think that that would have been a narrative that maybe had Rockstar been a little bit 
uh, more mature or just, again, like having the success and the confidence that came with all of their successes and whatnot from all of the games in the uh, interim and whatnot. It would be interesting to see what they could do with that sort of presentation now. But I guess for you, one of the things I'm curious about is how does the stealth action gameplay really hold up for you? And, you know, you had an issue going back to it if we (laughs) want to uh, break out the old soapbox for a moment uh, in terms of accessing the game, right? Because I played the PS2 port that was available on PlayStation 4, which, I mean, it, it runs well and whatnot, but at the end of the day, like, there's some limitations in the way that game controls and sure. you definitely feels like a game from 2003. Granted, I didn't have any performance hiccups in terms of how the game runs, oh, the no, presentation yeah. and whatnot. Those were not issues I had on PS4, but you had a little bit of a different experience. Yeah, because of my PS4 is packed away now because obviously I'm on PS5. So, yeah. Unfortunately, Manhunt is one of the games where they have that big old warning saying, this ain't going to run like it should. And they weren't lying. It really did run awful. You know, it's like um, <laughs> I thought for a minute I was misremembering something about the game where they just had all those like sort of color glitches and things like that. And, like the whole thing's just not working right. Um, I thought it was just part of the aesthetic for a minute, and then I was like, no, because it was happening like like on every menu. Like I couldn't see certain options because like uh, you had the, the whole RGB style color. In, the, in place of what was supposed to be there um, so yeah, it was a lot of that it was just happening all throughout the game. it just became I couldn't play it anymore which was sad and it was like, I'm not going to go get the PS4 out and the PC version by the sound of it is just as loaded in, in terms of, and you can't even play it with like a controller without mods so it's like yeah, so yeah, generally fuck that I'm not going to go play Manhunt with a mouse and keyboard um, <laughs> it's like it's just bad so but like I said at the top of the show it's a game that has stuck with me long beyond playing it you know it, there are moments in that game that are just burned in my brain Rockstar were really good at this um, it used to just be because they picked the right music or soundtrack to go with things that I, I was saying only on uh, Twitter this week where San Andreas GTA San Andreas where just to this day I had this memory of like flying over the forests with the sun setting having Rod Stewart's Young Turks playing like that I don't fucking give a shit about Rod Stewart's music before that that song <laughs> that, that song is now one of my favourite songs ever because of that mm. you know because of that moment to the point I know slight aside anecdote here but I was when I was playing like a football soccer uh, for like a, a Sunday league team and one time and I didn't really know anyone there anyway but because um, I don't drive I had to get lifts off people when we went further afield at that and like the coach I went in the car his car one time and Young Turks came on the radio like that and of course no context here he doesn't know me he doesn't know anything about me and then I suddenly just you know me at I think about 29, 30 at this point going Turn it up, turn it up. It's like that, like about Ross so it's like it's amazing. And he's just looking at me like, Really? It's like it's like I was like I could explain, I was like I was like, I just like the song. It's like but but yeah, so rocks are really good at doing this whole thing of music and you know the visuals you're seeing at the time. 
And they just, even when the limitations of what they did graphically, they always got the right shot, so to speak. And so much of Manhunt stayed with me because of that, because it evoked everything I loved about film. You know, and when we were saying this earlier about, you know, it's a good reference point when you get older about film to the game, it's more so with Rockstar because they've always embraced that thing anyway. All of the games pretty much had this, well, films. We love films, we love music. And so those two things get smushed together all the time into our games. You know, it's like, it's, but here, it was specifically, like I said, those certain things together that really made it work. So that was the best thing about it is that I found this weird new appreciation for it in the fact that I couldn't play it as it was and you know straight away I was like it'd be nice if you know after they've done these GTA remasters that they sort of did the same for Manhunt and Bully but as we were discussing before the show it's like the sales uh, of those games compared to any of those GTA games or Red Dead are you know frankly pitiful you know by comparison the Manhunt series has sold like 1.7 million copies I think as we said and between two games between two <laughs> games you know and I mean the second one considering the platforms it launched on maybe not surprised um, but still it's like it was never going to be bought by everyone in the same casual way that GTA was because it's it's violent and kind of you know um, so yeah it's a shame that we ended up having this problem here where you can't play the game easily unless you have a PS4 that's probably does sound very much like first world problems oh I can't play Manhunt properly because I've got PS5 it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like I will say though like in my getting to play it on PlayStation 4, granted, it it looked like I remembered it looking, mm. but I think that it is a great... And it's funny that you mentioned like the GTA remaster. If they were to remaster this game, I would want them to take the visual approach to the graphics that they did with... Um, in terms of like the Quake remaster, which we talked mm. about uh, a few episodes ago and whatnot in that... Um, I want it to have something that does not lose. Because if you glam up a Manhunt remaster or mm. remake, like it loses almost the entire purpose of experiencing it, right? And that was something that sometimes when I go back and revisit older games, I'm like, oh man, this is really starting to show the wear and tear from all these years. But with Manhunt, if anything, I appreciate it more. I appreciate yeah. more the grungy, grainy look. And if it loses that... I don't necessarily know that the gameplay is what is going to be the saving grace yeah. of a remaster or a remake, right? Whereas something like GTA, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you've got this massive sandbox, you've got the crime narrative that's ever low, uh, that is very rich in lore and all these characters and whatnot. And it's like, that's very different. And that's yeah. a very different type of overall experience, but also it's a different type of uh, rock star focused experience. But it's kind of like you had mentioned in that. Rockstar has always had that film music love that permeates through every single project since their inception, which yeah. I think has been the most telling in terms of going back and playing some of their older games. 
of why they a majority of them hold up so well is that you feel that love. It doesn't feel contrived. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, well, we can make this more hip, right? It feels right from the jump, whether it be a new IP or a continuation. You can feel that love that you can say like, oh, yeah, like they like movies and games or er, movies and music. But it really does show up in every single facet. And even in Manhunt, right? The attention to music that's appropriate for this type of experience. They don't try to just carry over what worked in GTA into this. Yeah, I mean, this is them working on a different level. This, um, a thing I noticed with Rockstar as they get towards this behemoth that only makes a game every few years, um, is that they used started using certain games as experiments. And a Bully was an experiment, Manhunt was, was an experiment, Max Payne 3 was an experiment that furthered games that came further down the line. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so it ends up being this thing where you get the most interesting games out of those experiments because they're trying something, you know, they're trying something they want to do in a mainstream game. And so, yeah, it, it, I think it could be something worth thinking about when you think about these games that they don't do these kind of games anymore. Or, or won't because of that, you know, because they won't get to that point. Well, yeah, it's the type of thing, too, where it's like when it comes down to the numbers, it doesn't make sense. And I don't see how, especially with the monumental success of some of their other games, which <laughs> I think comparatively, you'd said you told me before recording like GTA 5, I think is what made like $300 million or something insane like that versus not even $2 million between two games. So it's not exactly surprising in terms of like why they've gone in the direction they've gone. But I think that it's interesting that, and it speaks to Rockstar's philosophy that even in all the experimentation that they've done between certain titles, the games themselves have never felt like experimentations for one thing. They have always felt like complete sort of experiences that are experimenting with certain genres or gameplay mechanics or commentary, but it's never felt like an overall game where at the end of it, I was like, well, that was like a cutesy experiment. They wanted to try something or not, right? I think that that is a big difference when you're talking about philosophies from a developer and Rockstar has always been, part of their philosophy has always been quality, right? Which is sounds ridiculous to say but how many times have we seen studios where they're like let's try something new and then you're like well that kind of feels like a half-assed for lack of a better phrase attempt at being experimental or branching out whereas with rockstar it would be great if in their next sort of chapter we could see them really truly flesh out some of the things they experimented with in past games in something that at the end of the day, it's more realistic that they're going to be supporting GTA 6 rather than taking a, a, uh, a crack at, like, Manhunt 3, which, again, on paper, when you get to as big as they are, it doesn't make sense for them to try mm. to make something like Manhunt again, unfortunately. Yeah, I think ever since we started realizing that with GTA 5 and how it kept getting, you know, further and further out, they're not really adding much to the main game, just the online, that... Rockstar had changed, you know, in terms of what they did. They saw a moneymaker and they were like, no, we'll do this now. And, but they still retained the quality. It, 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 you look at Red Dead 2, um, it's 
the sort of game Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2 are great examples of the kind of ethos that was in Manhunt. You know, um, GTA as a series, it's a little lighter. It may be violent. It may touch upon some issues, but it, it's not really doing that. It's very much satire in a very obvious sense. You know, right down to the radio stations and the things that you can listen to those radio stations now, and you're like, yeah, I I can remember that reference point, if you will. Here, you know, with Manhunt, you have something that's really cultured and continues to be important and resonate with people because it's more than just like poking fun at something. It's like it's telling a story about telling a story. And I think Red Dead ended up doing the same thing where it's like they drew upon the strengths of a certain genre and used it in a game the right way. It's why Red Dead is a brilliant Red, you know, Western-style series because it, it they love those kind of films, you know, not just the big budget ones, not not just Sergio Leone's stuff, but you know, down to like Fulci's sort of uh, Western films. You know, they, they have such an appreciation for all of it, and it shows all throughout those games. And Manhunt is the same as a certain subset of films that, you know. Hopefully not snuff films, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, it's discussing films that were considered dangerous or too much or like or on a banned list. It, it as a game, it almost evokes that whole video nasties era, you know, um, where even down to the, you know the irony of Manhunt Two getting this ban in certain places and having political outrage and calls for the whole system to be re-evaluated in terms of how games are rated despite being not really all that compared to its predecessor in terms of strength so it yeah it's it's a great in that sense i think that it manages to do that well i think that rockstar taps into genre so well that they're able to create the desired aesthetic from a type of movie that we would never watch, right? They capture that snuff film aesthetic, that video nasty era aesthetic so well and presentation wise that it is the type of game that still evokes that sense of like, should I be looking over my shoulder while I'm playing this? Because this would be kind of hard to explain to somebody if they walked in there like, what the fuck are you playing? Like, I even <laughs> called my, two of my roommates, they play games, but they don't necessarily play outside of, again, like Call of Duty or Madden, the kind of like yearly installments, which is fine. But it was like I called them in a couple of times while I was playing to be like, you will not believe how fucked up some of these kills are and playing it for them. And it evokes very much the same reaction from them that it is when I show them horror movies, if it, it varying degrees of uh, it, them being like extreme content and things like that. But I think that that in and of itself is something that's successful because it's built around an experience mm. that holds up past just that. I think that in terms of like the limitations of the gameplay and how it's aged, it's more about camera control, right? Which is something that the games have modernized in and giving the player more control. Yeah. In 2003, it was not to that level where the player expected 100% control and manipulation of environments and things like that. So there were those limitations, but I think the gameplay in general, though, holds up well, and it has all these staples of stealth games that we enjoy now in terms of, like, 
being able to go against walls and then luring enemies and throwing bot like all of these yeah. different gameplay elements. Nowadays, it sounds so simplistic, but those were certain elements that ne- weren't necessarily in these major or not major rather that's a poor way to put it but something like manhunt which from the outside it looks very much of like the sole purpose of this is to be provocative and to rile people up when in actuality it has mechanics in it that are more than sound and have been the basis for the last 18 years of uh survival horror games or or Mm. uh, stealth action games for lack of better uh, word but i think also something that we should really talk about is that Rockstar seems to understand genre so well that they're able to make a smaller scale experience than what they're known for now. And if anything, the quality of that, I think, shines in a way that I don't necessarily attribute to a lot of their more recent things, right? Mm. You can talk about all the advancements they've made in technology to have these sprawling worlds and you can have like memorable moments, memorable characters, quality writing, but there's something in that expanse nature the expansive nature rather of their more recent titles that i just i feel a little lost or maybe that's just me in general where it's like i don't necessarily gravitate towards those larger experiences i'm more interested in these more intimate experiences that have a little more texture to them that it's moment to moment instead of sort of milestone moments um which is something that i don't know i would really wish that they would return to but again we keep coming back to the reality that it's like well why take a gamble on that when you could keep doing and refining not to say that like they haven't been refining constantly with every iteration of GTA or Red Dead or whatnot, but it would just be nice to see them return to something that is very different. And yet it is very much in line with their sort of methodology when it comes to making games and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, compared to, there's so many big studios out there and the, Rockstar are one of the only ones that really just like when they're on a project they're like no we're all on this project and that's it and because they want to get the best I mean it, it shows in the detail it showed far back as like 2008 with uh, GTA 4 where people complained about oh it's a smaller world than San Andreas it's like but have you seen the depth of that world you know it's like it feels like a place it feels alive it feels bustling in a way that San Andreas never did, you know? And I think what people were really saying was like, I want more jetpacks, you know, and they weren't really saying <laughs> they didn't want the somber, more you know, grounded sort of look, which uh, to Soapbox moment I fucking loved. I, I thought it was a wonderful sort of return to Liberty City. And I think Rockstar are best when they do go for that sort of melancholy maudlin stuff, you know, they they get it because as fun as it is to hear the barbs and listen to the radio stations and Laszlo and things like that it's it their best stuff is when they are deep in the shit and they're exploring a world where everything's bleak and you kind of have your little moments you know like you find levity in it yourself you know like in in little moments you're like oh yeah Funny. Uh, there's gallows humour to those sort of games and you know, none more so than Manhunt you know, where it is very much like that kind of game that gets it to the end degree it knows what it is yeah so in terms like we have obviously talking about the original Manhunt but before the show I'd mentioned that I'd only played about 
the first 30 minutes of Manhunt 2. So I have almost no bearing for that mm-hmm. other than I believe you're escaping from like a psych ward or something. But what are in terms of like your experience of Manhunt 2, which is a game that you played far more of than me, which is a pretty <laughs> low bar considering how long I'd spent with it. But I guess what are the elements of Manhunt that don't work in the sequel or what? how is the approach different that is an example of not capitalizing on that voyeuristic brutality uh, that works and holds up so well in the original. First things first, I think, with this, it was made by Rockstar London, who, you know, I think Rockstar North are the only one that sort of kept in line with, like, Rockstar's ideals perfectly whilst doing their own thing, as you can see with Manhunt and the like. But, um, this is where it just felt like I mean Rockstar London also co-led Max Payne 3 which uh, Max Payne fans are divided on I think it's the best of those games but that's because I did I thought the earlier games were gimmicky Um, yeah but to do Manhunt 2 in itself was always going to be a bit of a risk because you've kind of made your point already straight away it's like so if you do it again you are losing some of the impact some of the insight and the thoughtfulness of that original game because like you can't really say yeah you remember all the the really cool insightful things we said in the first game we're going to do them again it's like so if you do that and it's safe and people call you out for it they wouldn't because I think games journalism in terms of looking at things like that is better now in terms of looking at things like that then it wasn't I think it would just get called out as being like lazy and rightly so to be fair but uh, in what it ended up being um, the biggest problem I have with Manhunt 2 is the approach to the protagonist in that he's an amnesiac mental patient and straight away that's just you know, even then, back in what was it, 2007, it was not. It's just, it's a head shake, you know. Even by Rockstar standards, yes, they do things that are on the edge back then. Nowadays, this stuff is like nothing. But then it was like, nah, come on, that's that's a bit iffy. And not just if in like a politically correct sense, but more in a sense that it doesn't really help the plot, you know? It basically tries to excuse the violence in a different way. And in that respect, I appreciate it. I appreciate that it's trying to do something different, but I think it's a big old swing and a miss in terms of trying to do that because it misunderstands why the original works so well. Where it was like, this guy is violent anyway, He's probably murdered someone. He probably does deserve to be on death row, but that doesn't really mean that someone else should be subjecting him to do all this for their own profit. You know, as you were saying earlier, it's like that commentary on the American prison system almost in terms of like slave labor. Here it just feels like, mm, like that. I mean, you could probably argue that, yeah, it could be the same sort of commentary on how mental health gets monetized, but it was before that was really a big issue big button issue and it just felt like a game that was like 
Oh, we did the first one. We'll let someone else do a second one. It picked up all this controversy. Uh, Jack Thompson, of course, notoriously went after this game first before going after other games, uh, in, you know, having already got hooked up by San Andreas and its coffee and the mode thing. But it's just, it just doesn't do any of the things the original game does right. You know, it, it feels very much like the game that was poking fun at, you know, when it was the game that was like, critiquing it's like yeah many games out there will do all this violent stuff for the sake of it because it's a selling point uh, but we're here to say no 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 we're not only admitting that it is a selling point we're going to look at it uh, why it is a selling point and explain that and not criticize the player for it but suggest that it's important to understand that that you can have violence uh, and it be meaningful, you know, if, if you want. But Manhunt 2 is very much just feels like the director video sequel, yeah, you know, in terms of like they get someone in who doesn't understand anything about what the original did and makes something that ironically ends up being the opposite of everything that the original stood for. And it's not like I even hate it. It's not like Devil May Cry 2, like I discussed tonight before, where I just think while that game was solid in itself, it was the fact that it just had the antithesis to that game's, or the original game's style, and everything about that game's style was important. Here it just feels like it was a, an idea, and I understood the idea they were going for and what they were trying to do in terms of taking the original message in a different direction. But they didn't talk about it enough, and they didn't take it in the right direction, and it ended up being a flop in that regard. And yeah, it didn't help that it got banned places as a result, and you know, it took a big impact on not just Rockstar but the game series itself, and is a big reason why we don't have another Manhunt today. Is yeah, it, it, without Manhunt Two, we probably have. You know, some kind of manhunt stuff now you know people might celebrate the original a bit more if it hadn't been for that game it's a shame I, it really is and like I said I bear no ill will to manhunt manhunt 2 in, in this sense but it's, it's unfortunate that that was the sequel we got it just seems like such a misunderstanding of what made the original such a standout right it just feels like and as you uh, very uh, succinctly put it, like it feels like a straight-to-DVD sequel that they think that, well, if we just capitalize on the loud bits of the original or the controversial bits of the original, mm. then this will do just as well. But I think the fatal flaw in that direction that the game takes is trying to flesh out the protagonist. Like, that seems like such a... straight Whether or not, like, the political correctness of, like, this is a mentally ill person and they're excusing the violence, it seems that in excusing the violence like that it loses a lot of the sort of just the commentary that was being made with the first one whether or not it was within the cutscenes or character interactions or narration right it's more about the player engagement and it kind of is like in the original you're a killer essentially that is killing you're doing what yeah. the killer does and you're being a participant in that whereas when they try to feign a certain level of sympathy with the protagonist in Manhunt 2 
And to that effect, it seems like including mental illness is just a plot device to include the asylum setting, which is a, such a large portion of the game. I mean, it just comes off as like not, again, understanding that, well, you need to turn the lens onto the player at a certain point and be like, well, this is this is only as brutal as you want it to be. And it's like when you're not doing that and when you're justifying why somebody's doing these things and yeah. you're building more motivation, like in Manhunt 1, sure, there's the motivation that you're trying to do it to save people at a certain point in your life, whether it's your family, I believe. But at the end of the day, like you're not necessarily rooting for this guy like that. Just no. mentioning that very vague. Oh, this is why I'm doing these things is not fleshed out. It's never really the emphasis of anything. Whereas when it's so intricately tied to the game play in Manhunt 2 or the narrative progression and whatnot, it kind of just comes off as feeling like, well, this is all justifiable and all this stuff, which loses a lot of the scuzziness. It might look better. It might be more elaborate. Uh, in terms of the animations and whatnot, but it loses that texture and that flavor yeah. that the original had, which at the end of the day, that's what has remained memorable about Manhunt. I don't think that anybody is really necessarily remembering it for as adequate as the gameplay is. I don't think anybody is more so like married to the, you got to sneak up on this guy and you got to use the shank or use a plastic bag. I think it's more about the presentation. And when you lose that graininess and that sort of, uh, that video nasty era touch that we've been talking about. I mean, what is really left other than this is a guy that's going through a series of cut, uh, quick time events or brief cutscenes rather of him beating somebody with a baseball bat or shanking somebody, but just losing that texture and that sort of those meta commentary mm. that Manhunt was crafted around. You're kind of like, it's just a big shrug. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, it is trying to do something uh, meta uh, in terms of like how someone could be abused mentally to perform certain actions and to do certain things for someone. But again, this feels like something that only works in a film. Uh, as I said before, Manhunt, the original game, works as it does because it does something that is specific to games you know in terms of like it's asking the player to do something and embrace and trying to make the player understand that relationship between with violence in video games which you know for all the chill out video games we get nowadays that sort of try and push against that the history of video games is violence that is what it is brought up on more than any other medium that is the predominant most successful aspect you know name any really successful video game guarantee you it has some form of violence in it. Uh, that, that is that's the currency you know? and that's what Manhunt understands so well Manhunt 2 does feel like the sort of thing where you're like yeah but we're doing a twisty turny plot to sort of aha the player rather than do something that engages the player you know and I think <laughs> to top it off for me and this is a very personal thing on this one is that when this game came out the protagonist's name is Daniel Lamb I actually knew a guy in real life called Daniel Lamb and he was the biggest sappiest 
guy I've ever known in my life, and I just could not take anyone with that name seriously. Straight away, it's like, <laughs> like I cannot believe anyone would be murdering people called Daniel Lamb. Sorry, it's like uh, it's like lovely, <laughs> lovely guy, but no, nothing like that. You know, it's like it just it put me off in a way that that, that really didn't help. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it's fine. I, I just. It just seems like a wasted potential that essentially marred the reputation to a degree, even if it is a very, by all accounts, like average middling game. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's plenty of middling games that we've enjoyed or had fun brief stints with, but I think it is a shame because it really does cut the momentum and the potential for what Manhunt could have evolved into or just in general of like maybe getting in the way of a potential... Uh, in the future, you know, like 10 years removed, getting a remaster or a remake to a certain degree. Uh, as, like, you know, it's funny, as, as I say it, I'm like, well, I want one of those, but at the same time, it's something that has to be handled with so delicately because if it doesn't yeah. get the proper attention, then you basically have given people something that is, A, not representative of the original experience, and just because it looks and plays better, it could still lose a lot of what made it so notorious or infamous we were actually talking about this only last week with Puppet Combo and that aesthetic and you know I mean that's PS1 style aesthetic but it loses something if you try to update that you know it's like the best thing about Puppet Combo's games are that it retains the surreal and the unnatural thing about that sort of older game feel and yeah, you really would, uh, compared to GTA, I think you really would lose something massively in updating it too much. Uh, it would have to be exactly like that. Um, the controls, by all means, fix the fucking thing. <laughs> but, but, Please, the controls. I'm begging you. Yeah, because, you know, and that's, that's long been Rockstar's weakness. But yeah, it, until GTA 5. And yeah, so it, that, fix that by all means but Jesus Christ no it's like the graphics uh, apart from sharpening them up I wouldn't change them I really wouldn't I think it's true that and Bully especially around that time even Max Payne 2 actually uh, that you don't want to change too much because because they were more limited you know they weren't sandbox style games that they they held a better detail level and they had such style to them that worked for them, you know, like that. They felt more advanced as a result, you know. It's like Bully, compared, you know, I think, what, did they come out the same year as San Andreas or just after, I think? And it looks visually so much more advanced, you know, in the space of a year, maybe. And that's just because it's tighter, it's more like it's a smaller world, smaller than GTA 3. But they've done enough to sort of get to that point. And that's it. You just that's all you need. You just need to give it a little touch up, get that stuff out there. I feel like it'll happen. I, I feel but I feel it won't happen until the twentieth anniversary for that game again. Like without like, yeah, okay. Here's Manhunt, it looks better slightly and it's got better controls. And I'm sure Bully will get the same treatment. It just because Rockstar have got to this point now where that's how they work things out. They're like, 
oh, it's an anniversary, we'll do this, we'll do this. They did it with, I mean, with Red Dead Redemption, the original, they, they made sure it was backwards compatible. Not long after, close to that anniversary period, and, you know, they're doing it again with GTA games, where GTA 3's anniversary game went announced. And they're now doing a remaster. So yeah, I, we'll get them. I guarantee it. I just hope that they take the right messages from it. Especially given that the likes of uh, Leslie Benzies has left now and I feel like he was one of the voices of reason in terms of like how you go about making games the right way. I mean, the Howard Brothers uh, had their appeal and they did very much great things in terms of how those games work. But I think Benzies had such a hand in gelling everything they were thinking about together and I, I, I hope that that's understood I, I generally think that should be understood with the GTA remasters as well but time will tell, we'll, we'll see I, I do honestly look forward to the next week or two of people going, of articles saying this is what's different, oh this thing's not in, in there anymore, oh, this thing doesn't work the same way like that, it's going to be there because Rocks are very deliberately not mentioned bugger all, let's be honest. But and that's that's their remit. That's how you get people excited, you know. It's like you don't show your hand and it works when you're a company like Rockstar. Yeah, but I think also like something you mentioned, it just if you strip away the visuals, it's not so much that like these games that we've mentioned, whether it be like Puppet Combo or obviously Manhunt they're not 100% reliant on just the way that they look because of the aesthetic that the Rockstar or Puppet Combo have chosen. It really does bleed into every single aspect mm. and how they approach that, right? It's kind of that thing where it's like, you can't just slap a filter. That's might be how some people might view something like Puppet Combo games. It's like, well, and we've definitely seen with the popularity and the success that he has had, we've seen a lot of games crop up that try to emulate that yeah. PS1 lo-fi horror aesthetic and they just don't work because it shows they basically tell on themselves in that they don't have the same fundamental understanding of the period that they're trying to evoke very much so with Rockstar having a full love of cinema and film and whatnot and they're able to apply that to Manhunt that is more than just a scuzzy VHS uh, tracking lines or just the types of different CCTV camera perspectives that it takes they have a full understanding of what they are evoking and it comes through in the music the presentation the nastiness within the game which i think you could do a whole nother podcast on talking about <laughs> choking somebody out with a bag or a uh, old electrical wire or just the attention to detail in terms of the gangs right oh, you've got like the, the, gangs. Yeah, not the white power yeah. gangs you've got the psycho gangs uh granted they've used some uh some colorful language which i think has not aged very well but at the same time <laughs> The ugliness of a lot of those things that I think that people are becoming more aware of, at the same time, it makes Manhunt feel like a relic of things that you don't see in a lot of games anymore. And yeah. granted, there's always going to be outliers, but I don't know. I think in that nastiness, there's a commitment to it, and it's a, a product that is polished more than them including that type of content, whether it be like the racism or the homophobia that some characters utter and whatnot it feels like it is them leaning into these very uncomfortable things in a way that doesn't just feel like, well, let's stir up some controversy and then we'll sell some more units, right? There is yeah. the full-fledged production value that backs it up that I think it gives it a certain sense of like legitimacy that it's done for 
the world that they're creating. And this is a nasty world and a vile world that you shouldn't want to be in for more than a yeah, few I levels. Mean, who else will be signing up for a, that kind of thing, that kind of project? Yeah. It's not going to be nice people who praise <laughs> Jesus. It's going to be yeah. the people that used racial slurs, uh, homophobic. Uh, there is perfect context for that sort of thing. And you know, it's like, you can argue that with a lot of Rockstar's games where you can say, yeah, I get that. I mean, I remember quite clearly the controversy over the debate of torture in GTA 5, where you're going to participate in actual torture and then get a, seat, a whole thing afterwards where Trevor's basically just sort of explaining it away. And it's like, and it didn't work for everyone. Everyone was like, yeah, it, it jarred over how a lot of people felt. And I get that because that was very heavy-handed in, in terms of how it was handled. Whereas this is very much a case of, you know, I think the more you explain these things, the worse it gets. You're going to get people to go, oh, yeah, this is just doing this for this sake, or it's like that, because you're going to get people to take things at surface value. Uh, that's natural. But I think Manhunt, you know, anyone who loves it and has this revelation for it being a cult classic, which, as we said, with the sales, why is by Rockstar standards, it is. Um, it has that, you know, it has something about it that resonates through time. And while that may not exist in terms of gameplay terms, you know, it, it's the message, you know, it's what it does with that message. And it, it will always be exceptional for that. You know, like it, it will be a shame that eventually it will get remastered and it will get upgraded and it will be better and it will be more accessible. But the upside of that is that message will get through and I think that message will stick and will gain a whole new audience. I said this with Fatal Frame recently, that it was Alan Wake recently. Like The things those games do where they had a limited audience because of the platforms they'd launched on and the time they launched at and how the industry has grown since that time means that you have another shot at bringing that to life. I think that to me is Manhunt's best chance at having another go will be when the inevitable 2023 remaster happens, you know, and or 2024, depending on yeah, God knows what happens, but it it will bring the retrospectives and the attention to detail for people who were too young to play it or too young to appreciate it. You know, it's like like I think of it in, again in film terms, where there are films I used to watch because they were gory, because they were like extreme. There were books I read that were extreme. I read I did all those because. I want to see how far it could be pushed. But now I can view those things in a very different light because I've seen so much and read so much, whatever. And you get to learn the things that do it right. The things that understand how violence works and it's smart. You know, Sam Raimi gets it. Peter Jackson used to get it, you know, in terms of like, you could take the piss out of being ridiculously violent like that and then you have stuff like martyrs where um, it's uncomfortably violent but there's a point you know and 
that's just it. It's proof that you can have violence in the world and be representing violence artistically and still be making a point and be and be more than just just doing it for money and shock value. Well, to to pool uh, Rockstar's own portfolio, right? It's the idea that that's why we're talking about Manhunt and why Manhunt's so regarded as a cult classic for some people. And we're not talking about state of emergency. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, violence is the main element of Manhunt, but it's not the only element of Manhunt that makes no. it important or why it has allowed it to be noteworthy uh, 18 years later. And I think that, again, like you had said, Rockstar is the best at understanding the purpose behind what they're doing. Yes. It might offend a lot of people. It might be vile. It might be regarded as being uh, detrimental to the youth. But at the end of the day, they have a purpose behind everything that mm. I don't necessarily know. Again, that a lot of developers who see something like Manhunt back in the day, perhaps it's like how many Manhunt clones were there out there where it was like, yeah, you're just, you can rip off this guy's head or you can rip off a limb or whatever. And it's like, yeah. nobody remembers those games anymore. And you see games like, I think the game, uh, handful of years ago that came out was called like hatred or something where it's basically just like a workplace murder simulator where you just kill a bunch of people and the idea behind it i think was is that it was supposed to be a homage to postal or something to that effect yeah. where at the end of the day it was just about going on a rampage but the thing that differentiates those two is that postal was always about like violence and humor right the blending yes. of those two things in the most extreme and i'm not saying that i necessarily enjoyed the postal games or think that they were successful necessarily what they did but you at least see the intention behind it and you see yeah. why whereas this other thing that came out that tried to pay homage clearly did not understand what it was trying to emulate in mm. a way that it's like well there's no real purpose behind this and there's no artistic merit in what is happening in this so nobody talks about it and nobody remembers it all that fondly for them to make a large generalization of gamers. But it's the type of thing that's not in the same realm of a conversation that Manhunt is in or something to that effect. Sure. And this goes back to something I've been thinking about before where like you can see opportunities, especially in like the smaller space where you have developers going for the easy money in terms of violence and sexualization um, like say okay, everyone's probably got a YouTube channel yeah like the, maybe they'll do a few things here and there it's like mine was always like case like for my own benefit and fun but it wasn't until I played a game called Planet 2000 that I ever got any sort of notoriety out of it you know or, or did any real numbers you know um, all because the cutscenes featured porn stars like known porn <laughs> stars like that because the company that made the game was that company that, uh, that had you know ran the contracts of those stars and you know it was this fucking awful Descent 2000 sort of clone and as a game but in between it would have cutscenes where these porn stars would sort of ex very badly sort of explain the plot of this game that didn't fucking matter and it was just so gleefully awful. Yeah, like the, the game was in itself, would, it, you could wave it away and go, I never want to see you again, sort of thing. But the fact that it had that, I had to, I was straight away like, I have to record this. No one will believe me. And, that, and like I said, 
I think that for me was like a really successful video. You know, it was like I think 172,000 views or something. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's mad. That's crazy. But it was because of that, because they sold it like that. That game doesn't even exist on the PlayStation Store anymore. Like, uh, and yet, that's the lasting legacy of that. And they never argued. They, when when the review came out, it was like two out of ten. The developers never argued because they weren't game developers. They they knew what they were in for. They made this game to make money, to stir up some controversy. I suppose it worked to a degree, but who the fuck knows who what Planet 2000 is apart from me and anyone that watched that video? And it was like, and even then, the people that watched the video would be like, I remember watching something. Yeah, I don't know what it was, sort of thing. So you have to utilize the shop value in the right way. And as we've said so many times already on this podcast, Manhunt knows that you know rockstar know that with manhunt they know what they're doing and it's just lazy to sort of try and go for a trend and i think this extends well beyond just doing things for shop value doesn't it it's like it's when any producer or director or whatever just sees a trend and goes yeah we should do that on the cheap and hope that we can cash in on it it's like that's sort of, you know, it's the low-hanging fruit. If, if you're going to make something like that, and I appreciate the irony of saying that, it, being on a podcast when, you know, there are a gajillion podcasts out there, but, you know, you've got to do something that you feel something about. You know, something that you really understand the nuances of, you know. And I, well, it shows if you yeah, don't. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I, I'd like to think that's what we do here for instance you know with this it's like yeah sure there are so many game podcasts out there how do you differentiate it's like well we do a horror game podcast it's just about horror games and looking into them and discussing them at length and waffling on like fuckers about them but that's your niche you do it you understand it because you are passionate about that you know not just because like you're filling a mandate because uh this thing is popular right now like that and I think that's true of any video game podcast that's really good is because they understand what they're doing you know they're not just doing it because it's a niche and so we're we're in that position and that will always be the most important thing for any creative talent is to you know you've got to have that passion for what you're doing and understanding of what you're doing and as boring as it can be research and it, it's part of the thing you know it's like it's no good just saying I like Back to the Future so I can make a film about travelling back in time sort of thing you know you, you've got to have sort of a real interest in the idea of time travel to and what you could do within that that someone else hasn't done if you're going to push that forward as a thing Um. So, you know, it, it, you need to have that sort of identity to what you do if you're going to make it worthwhile. And rounding it all the way back here, Manhunt is that sort of project. You know? it, it totally, totally understands that violence is a thing. It's so common. 
people can poke fun at it and uh, the things behind it. And, and Rockstar themselves have done that in their own projects beyond this, where they have poked fun at the people that are trying to lobby against them. But here is something that is just magnificent in how it just pushes the idea that that violence doesn't have to be bad. It's a very much a part of everything everyone does. Aggression and confrontation is something that we all face in our lives, whether it be to the level of James Earl Cash and stabbing people in a shard of glass, or if it's just you know shouting at someone at a restaurant. You know, it, you are still participating in the idea of violence and. You cannot avoid it in this life, a Buddhist monk or not, it's going to come up. Yeah, and I think that Rockstar, time and time again, whether or not we've seen a project of the same scale and scope as Manhunt in the interim since uh, over the course of what now has been since uh, Manhunt 2 and whatnot, but it just shows that they don't half-ass any of their experiments. And that's one of the big things, my big takeaways and just re-experiencing Manhunt, but also in talking with you, obviously, is that it's the idea that they're willing to take certain risks, but they approach everything as if it is their next big IP. And I think that that's an element of their approach to games that they're not singular in that, but it is the most apparent across a majority of their bodies of works in a way that they have a a vision for everything. And that sounds so pretentious in terms of just, oh, all developers (laughs) have a vision, but they have a vision that hopefully there's money on the other end of that project and yet they still approach it in a way that they are not sort of short changing themselves or cutting themselves off at the knees and that if we're going to have something that is making as large and loud and as gory of a statement as Manhunt is all of the different elements in that presentation and of seeing that come to fruition really have to have that otherwise you just become another game that the media gets stirred up about but then at the end of the day it's like well was that conversation even worth having it's a piece of shit game which is not the case of manhunt all these years later but it's a uh it's an ip that we would very much like to see a return to but whether or not that becomes a reality we will uh, have to wait and see hopefully at the 20th anniversary we might get a get an inkling of some sort of news in that direction but the more i thought about it the more i think no i'm kind of glad i'm kind of glad that it, it it remains a relic because it feels then very much like a part of um, the evolution of video games. Because, as we were saying, there are so many games out there now that employ so much of what that game did. The And this, as I said, that is very much Rockstar's thing, where they'll do stuff in their experiments that other games end up carrying on for years, and it, it doesn't really get acknowledged, you know? And it's amazing. And so, in a way, Manhunt, and I almost dismissed Manhunt too at this point, uh, Manhunt is this thing that, you know, the video game history is very short compared to other mediums, but it has, it, it should be considered a very important thing, you know, in terms of the development of how maturity is handled in games. Well, not giving, I suppose, giving uncomfortable topics or taboo topics the same credence that you would give to what a majority of people that play games would consider like masterpieces or AAA titles, right? I think, again, it's just a proper, it's a giving a subject that doesn't get touched upon enough 
a modicum of respect that even if it is very much this extreme outlier that is making a commentary on violence, which is very common in games, but the level of violence is actually very uncommon. Yeah. It strikes me as the type of thing that when you pay a certain level of respect and dedication to making the best version of something like that, then it actually gains more credence and more legitimacy. Whereas, again, like anything that is just trying to cash in on the success of something else, but clearly lacks the true understanding of what they're trying to evoke or what they're trying to pay homage to, they tell on themselves time and time again, and we forget all about it unless you know you make a piece of shit game and you put porn stars in it or something like that <laughs> whatever whatever it's something 2000 planet 2000 i mean, but I mean that, that's it, very personal it, to me i think <laughs> <laughs> it's very personal to neil but i think that it does get, raise up the point that it's like there are been plenty of other games that have tried to capitalize on extreme violence but then they don't have anything to say outside of that 10 to 15 second animation and those are the titles that everybody forgets and we don't talk about them anymore because they basically, they didn't do their homework in terms of like, yeah, yeah. you can do these things, but if you're not going to do them in a way that is respectful of the art form of video games, but also just tapping into things like violence and the real world nature of that and how that is a part of all media and whatnot and how this is the most interactive form of media and we're going to tap into that. If you don't pay a certain amount of respect to that and give it the credence that it deserves if you're going to make it a focal point in a way that doesn't just blend in with all the other violent video yeah. games out there then you end up with something that nobody remembers and uh, we certainly wouldn't be talking about it for almost 90 minutes no this is it yeah again you know, never short <laughs> never short never have a shortage of things to say but uh, I'm definitely interested to see what the future of Manhunt could potentially look like whether it be a continuation which I think we both have gotten to the bottom of that that's not as likely but I think that it would be nice to see the proper cre or proper support at least given to like the port because like yeah. you had said this is very much a byproduct of the past and to be able to access a port of the classic version of it I think is important because a lot of that goes yes. into it but I at mean, the same time I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't shoo away a, a a tastefully done remaster Yeah I mean at the very least I will pray to the Microsoft gods here and say like make that game backwards compatible please and put it on the digital store and at least we would yeah that's an easy win you know that's a really easy win you know, if you want to get that on there brilliant you got bully you got the other stuff do it just do it please because i, I want to be able to play that game again before 2023 <laughs> <laughs> well if uh if recent success of quake that remaster and how they handled that you would hope that that would be the starting point of a conversation for a lot granted quake has a lot more reverence in games than manhunt but at the same time that is kind of like the golden goose example of how you remaster something without yeah. losing that flavor that made it so remarkable all these years later while doing a little bit of sprucing up in certain regards modern amenities and whatnot without losing that core identity you know that's one of those things that we can only hope manhunt could get the same attention for uh, in the future but uh neil as always it's a pleasure talking horror with you for a uh, safe room Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.